It's like a void of black. There's a portal over here. Let's talk about some spooky shit. Bitches. Hey. Hello. Hi, this is Savannah. And Birdie. And Jerrica. And producer Mikey. Producer <laughs> Mikey's here. Guest star. Woo, woo, woo. Um, we're back, finally. Um, it's been a minute. Yeah, lots of COVID going around. Yep. So much COVID. Lots of sickness. We all had it. And ice. And boiling water. And, and holidays. 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 Jerrica's planning a wedding. And wedding yeah. I had a birthday. My baby had a birthday. Yay! Shit's been nuts. Yeah. Literally everyone in my household had either COVID or the stomach flu at the same time. That's so fun. fun. Yeah. Just projectile from like all orifices. Yum. Yep. Yeah. Love that. How do you like that scenery, Michael? Love it. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> this is oh, what we welcome. talk about. Anyways, we are so, so glad to be back. We are coming in real, real hard, <laughs> real yeah. strong with the really fun topic, or, or topic I picked. I'm, I'm real, I'm real passionate about this topic, other than UFOs. Well, okay. <laughs> My second be, most passionate We don't know. Topic. We don't know. <laughs> the topic is, well, it's generic. It's what I call glitch in the matrix, but it could also be simulation, you know, are we living in a multiverse? Right, dimensions crossing over. Yes, yeah. time, time loops. loops, all oh kinds my God, of, I know. my head. I know. It's happening. What? <laughs> right now, we're experiencing it. So uh, we are going to go ahead and kick it off, and our guest, our guest star is also going to share some interesting information with us, so we hope you stay tuned and enjoy. So Savannah, I believe you're starting us off. I am. I am. Okay, so what I had in mind for today was I actually just kind of went down, like, fun rabbit holes of mm. Glitches in the Matrix. I used to listen to YouTube stories, like, five, six years ago, um, just to, like, fall asleep to for shits and giggles. Yeah. And I remember coming across, like, stories about Glitches in the Matrix, which was, like, the first time I'd ever heard of that. And so I would listen to these stories. One of the channels I would listen to a lot... Uh, shout out was Lazy Masquerade. That's um, not what I thought you were going to say. Really? I thought you were going to say Masturbator. No, well, oh. it's the internet. Maybe. <laughs> it's the internet. Ooh. Take so like a Benadryl and try to see what happens. This is not a dad friendly episode. <laughs> oh, okay. How far are we in? And you know what? She broke it. She's the I one know. who did it. So, where are we at? <laughs> so, I highly recommend his channel, especially if you just want to listen to like some like soothing British voices before you fall asleep. He does a really good job <laughs> what narrating. Was that what did you say? British voice? I don't know. British. <laughs> you know what's funny? You know how last week I was doing my Steve Dushavi voice? Yeah, oh it was yeah, bad. No, it wasn't. It was Michigan. great. I was I was listening to our episode that we recorded about the Oh, Christina. Yeah, when I was doing my Christina accent, and they're the same. Yeah, they are. They yeah, are. On well, phobias. you know. <laughs> Same area, I guess. Um, so I remember listening to his channel and like f- several years ago, and I remember the story specifically that he shared that was like so interesting to me. So I had to like go back and dig through a bunch of files to, to finally it? find oh it. I, you cannot find That's it anywhere. That's so satisfying. It's just like yes, dig it out. I know. Okay, so one of the stories I'm going to share today is a YouTube channel, like I said, Lazy Masquerade. The video is five truly creepy glitch in the matrix stories. And this story is called The Resemblance. Here we go. I was fortunate enough to be born in the great Pacific Northwest, the Western Washington Cascades to be exact. 
My father and I spent much of my early years of life exploring the mountains, fishing and hunting. There are parts of the Cascades that I know like the back of my hand. One of those places is, I love this, Goblin Creek. <laughs> it is at the Index Galena Road off of Highway 2. By the way, I did totally Google Maps. I was going to ask. I love it. I was I was like exploring all of Washington, all these little creeks and stuff. Yeah. So Washington cool. has a Beautiful lot of too. paranormal stuff they going do. on. Should, when we post this, you should put those yeah. pictures like in the little... When I was a kid, we would drive out there to do some fishing and shooting, but also to collect a specific type of rock that, when cut in half and polished, would resemble a scenic picture of the view of the mountains from within a cave. I don't remember the true name of these stones. We just called them picture rocks. Geode. Is that what? <laughs> Good call. My father's friend, the neighbor, owned an art gallery mineral shop that used to be a church. If you ever have driven through, start up on your way from Sultan to Gold Bar on Highway 2, which is in Washington again. You might remember seeing the robot sculpture outside of the shop that my dad built. This is the place where we sold the stones for $2 a pound. For a preteen, it was a quite lucrative revenue. The walk from the creek where we harvested these rocks to the dirt road wasn't particularly long, but lengthy enough that you would that you could presumably get lost while en route if one didn't know where to go. In the years we spent at this creek, I had only ever seen two other people out there. One was a game warden that heard gunshots from our target practicing sessions and tracked us down to make sure that everything was fine. And the other is the subject of my curiosity. When I was about 14, I distinctly remember hauling a backpack full of these rocks up from the creek to my dad's truck. Along the way, I ran into a man that looked to be about 30 years old. We both appeared to be surprised that we would run into anyone in this rather remote section of the mountains. But I got closer to this man. He seemed to grow increasingly more startled, as if seeing a ghost. He didn't say anything as I passed. He just stared at me, seemingly trying to find out the appropriate words to ask me something. After passing him, I remember thinking how much this guy looked like he could be in my family. The similarities were striking. I continued to the truck, I dumped off my load of rocks, and I headed back down to the river to see my dad. When I arrived, I told him about the encounter and I asked if he had seen this man, to which he replied that he hadn't. I have remembered this encounter quite vividly since since then. Last year, I was visiting my family in Snohomish. By the Great. way, I had to like look that one up. Yep. <laughs> Learning so much. Last year, I was visiting my family in Snohomish and decided to head up to Old Goblin Creek for nostalgic purposes. It had been about 15 years since I was last up there. Uh, found out that Index Galena Road was washed out years before, but I knew another way up there by Jack Pass, which I've read several times as Jackass, just so you know. So I found the dirt road where my dad used to park, and I proceeded to park and walk through the woods down to the creek. Along the way, I saw something that absolutely shook me to my core. As I was about halfway through the woods, I was startled to see someone else coming up from the creek. A boy, about 14 years old. He was wearing a backpack that looked to be burdened by heavy weights. Time whoop! I Time know! Whoop. As we get closer, I begin to get increasingly confused and shocked as the boy looked exactly like I did at his age. I meant to say something to him as I passed, but I couldn't figure out the right words to express what I was thinking at the moment. He passed me and kept going. I walked a little ways and finally stopped when it all really hit me. I remembered the encounter from my teenage years and realized I had just lived the other half of that experience. I turned around to catch up with the boy in the thick western Washington woods. I ran all the way back up the road to where my truck was, only to find nothing. 
there wasn't anywhere else but the road for him to have gone. And it hadn't stalled so long as to not to be able to catch up with him. He was just simply gone. Curiosity got the better of me, so I hurried down to the creek, half expecting to find my dad fishing on the bank 15 years younger. But I found nothing. I ended up going home and decided that this experience was just too unbelievable. I didn't tell any of my friends or family. So I just wanted to get this out there to the wonderful Reddit community to see what others think and hopefully see if anybody else has had this type of experience as well. So... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That one just always, like, tripped me out because, like, can you imagine, like, walking past and, like, remembering an experience from you as, like, a kid and then, like, experiencing that again? Like, you're, like, not supposed to see your doppelganger or something. That's what I was about to say is, like, I I like that a lot because it gives a different perspective on doppelgangers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of always have this, like, menacing quality to them, and this gives a, a more of a you know, a skip in time. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. So then if, who's to say that when you were that age, I guess, like, how old, did they say he was 15 or 15 uh, 14, years yeah. Okay, yeah. So when he was that age, can you imagine, like, if he, on the other side of it, saw, like, a glimpse of himself or, like, somebody that he didn't actually know was himself grown up. Right, but, yeah. But, like, you know that that's, like, who you were in the past. That's crazy. That is so that. nuts. It's, it's, I, I love that story. Well, we have a friend that, um, has a very good doppelganger story. I'm not going to go into details in case she does decide to ever come on and like do a guest thing. But I would love to think that that was like a crossover of a different dimension where Mm -hmm. she decided to go outside one and stay inside in another. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's possible because you think about like, um, we talked about like with stone tape theory and stuff, like how... It could be, like, you know, just, like, replaying. Like, there could be some sort of memory loop playing yeah. in that mm-hmm. energy space. Especially if it's, again, like, charged by the memory itself or, like, the energy itself. But, like, could it, that also be true if you see, you know, yourself in another form? So, like, another, from the past? Like, who's to say that they can't exist along the same lines if some random person's memory is playing in a space? Why can't you, your own experience replay in the same space. So, right. Like, it's crazy. Like, layer really trippy. Yeah. That's, that's honestly, like, that's the way I prefer to think of, like, what people consider ghosts. Yeah. Yes. Like, I was just about to say, because um, it, there's also this theory that that's why a lot of people will see when they see ghosts and they see them, obviously, in different time periods. Mm-hmm. There, there could be a reason for that. Right. Or they usually, another theory I heard was that, you know, you usually see ghosts floating. And right. some people believe that there are dimensions but we're not level, if that makes yeah, any sense. Right. Like so we're at different. So that's why you might see things appearing to float. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's actual like research based on the fact that we are three dimensional beings, but we actually like the math supports the fact that we actually live in a four dimensional. Interesting. World. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it would be like drawing something on a piece of paper, right? That's two dimensional, and trying mm-hmm. to explain to that, or have like Mario. Right, a yeah. graphic. Try to explain to him what our world is. He can't. Comprehend. He wouldn't be able to comprehend yeah. it. So we have all these different things that are naturally just interacting with us that we just literally cannot see yet. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's like when we talked about aliens, which Santa, like ears perk up. Um, <laughs> but like when we talked about aliens and how like not necessarily when we communicate with them, like it could be that we're like they don't speak our language. It's always like the the thing, like yeah, you know, the bigger. I guess, like, widespread thought, but, like, 
we also could very well not have the technology to like understand that or you know like yeah. it could be they are talking all around us but we just don't have like the the ability to like process they're, whatever they're, they're saying, on a completely you know? right. that's actually one of the theories like when i brought it up in my ufo episode i was like that makes so much sense like yeah you know, that we, maybe we're just, we're not communicating on the same actual, like, frequency. Yeah. Right. And to me, that makes sense, too, because, you know, there's a lot of evidence that shows that, like, the human eye couldn't comprehend the color blue yeah. until after uh, the Odyssey was written, because th- they went into great detail about how it was the Red Sea, and the waves were red, and the sky was red, and we always just kind of assumed that was, like, poetic liberty, and they actually found out that humans didn't evolve the ability to even see the color blue oh, until okay. hundreds of years after that. Wow. And so our bodies are constantly evolving. How wonderful would it be if, you know, the next step of evolution for us is that our ears can finally comprehend mm-hmm. like seeing and hearing or, these things? Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Shit! Okay, so I have one other story to share with you guys, and this one I also find fascinating. And I'll explain why as soon as I'm, I'm finished reading it. But this one I found from Reddit. The one who posted it, his name was Johnny Mnemonic. Um, <laughs> this is an older story. This is another. There are so many, like, Glitch in the Matrix stories that are, are, like, coming out right now. It's, like, becoming a really popular topic, especially on TikTok. TikTok? TikTok. Um, but, yeah, this story was posted seven years ago. And he's not even the original poster. The guy who originally posted it, like... He ghosted. He um, didn't use a personal account to post this. Necessarily give him credit. But uh, this story is called A Parallel Life Awoken by a Lamp. My last semester at a certain college, I was assaulted by a football player for walking where he was trying to drive. Note, he was 325 pounds and I was 120 pounds. (laughs) While unconscious on the ground, I lived an entirely different life. I met a wonderful young lady. She made my heart skip and my face turn red. I pursued her for months and then dispatched a few jerk boyfriends her way before I finally won her over. After two years, we got married and almost immediately she became pregnant with my daughter. I had a great job and my wife didn't have to work outside of the house. When my daughter was two, she, my wife, bore me a son. My son was the joy of my life. I would walk into his room every morning before I left for work and doted on him and my daughter. One day while I was sitting on the couch, I noticed that the perspective of the lamp was odd. Like the lamp was inverted. It was still in 3D, but just wrong. It was a square lamp base, red, with gold trim on four legs in a white square shade. I was transfixed. I couldn't look away from it. I stayed up all night staring at it. The next morning, I didn't go to work. Something was just not right about that lamp. I stopped eating. I left the couch only to use the bathroom at first, but soon I stopped that too, as I wasn't eating or drinking. I stared at the fucking lamp for three days before my wife got really worried. She had someone come and try to talk to me. By this time, my cognizance was breaking up and my wife was freaking out. She took the kids to her mother's house and just before I had my epiphany that the lamp was not real, the house was not real, my wife, my kids, none of that was real. The last mm. 10 years of my life were not fucking real. Yuck. Yeah. The lamp started to grow wider and deeper, and it was still inverted dimensions. It took up my entire perspective, and all I could see was red. I heard voices, screams, all kinds of weird noises, and I became aware of pain. A fucking shit ton of pain. 
The first words I said were, I am missing teeth. And I opened my eyes. I was lying on my back on the sidewalk surrounded by people that I didn't know. Lots were freaking out. I was completely confused. At some point, a cop scooped me up and dragged slash walked me across the sidewalk and grass and threw me face down in the back of a cop car. Smart. Great. Mm -hmm. Who needs... I like spinal injuries right yeah oh okay yeah I, w I was still so confused i was taken to the hospital by the cop it seems that he didn't want to wait for the ambulance to arrive and they gave me ct scans and shit i went through about three years of horrid depression i was actually grieving the loss of my wife and children and dealing with the knowledge that they had never actually existed i was scared that i was going insane i would cry myself to sleep hoping i would see her in my dreams i never have but sometimes I do see my son, usually just like a glimpse of him out of my peripheral vision. Oh my God. He Ew. is perpetually five years old, but I can never <sighs> hear what he says when he tries to talk. Oh, that's so sad. Mm, I know. Can you imagine like the pain of like living this whole life and like being well, married what if his and son children? can see him in another universe? You know yeah, what I, know. I mean? Like, yeah. oh, how terrible for both of them. I know. So that, that story also. And like in my head when I was reading this story, like I imagined like him sitting on the couch and like... This reminds me so much of the movie Vibarium. Mm. I think I showed you guys that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. Crazy. But, like, it, it's almost like you're sitting in, like, this reality and you look and, like, I envision, like, seeing this lamp and it almost looks like a cartoon, yeah. but, like, in the real world. Yeah. So you're like, wait, hold on, like, something's up with that. So anyways, and then you just kind of, like, spiraled. But what I wanted to explain today to, like, our audience is that, like, for me, a glitch in the matrix can mean several, several different things. Yeah. And you can experience it in several different ways. So I've read and I've poured through several stories, and a lot of them have to do with, like, somebody experiencing their own death and, like, living through it and then waking up and they, they never died. Or they think that maybe they did, and when they woke up, they're actually, like, living a parallel yeah. life. Some people live a completely full alternate life. And one day just, like, snap out of it, and then they're back. Like, there's this one lady on TikTok who lived kind of a life like that. Like, she had kids. Is it the, the black lady? Mm -hmm. I tried to find that video because I wanted to talk about it. I couldn't find it. Yep. She lived in a completely different life, and, like, one day she just woke up doing something completely ordinary. And she was like, this is not my life. But she woke up a lot younger, right? She had lived yes. like 30 something yes. years. Yes. And, and had all those memories yeah. and everything. And she like went through major depression as like a small mm -hmm. child because she was like mourning the loss of her wife and her kids and all sorts oh of stuff. God. Yeah. Also glitches in the matrix. A lot of things people experience are duplicates or repeats of things. So where you see like the same person multiple times, like in the same day or people that are all like very similar looking, but they're kind of off or, you know, duplicate or repeats of the same people, places or things. I wonder if this has ever happened to you guys. Have you ever like been, I don't know, like listening to a song or reading a book and you like hear a word maybe you've never like really kind of heard before or something. Um, and you're like, oh, that's an interesting word. And you like store it away in your head to use later vocabulary. And then all of a sudden, like throughout the day or throughout the rest of the week, you just keep hearing that word continuously. It's yeah. like, it's like you never realize that word existed. And then somebody just continuously starts yeah. using it. And it's just yeah. really weird to you. Do you remember that time I was driving around and I messaged our group chat and I was like, guys, I just keep seeing these lime green cars. Yeah. And I saw, I was literally just taking pictures every time I saw them. I saw like 20 lime green cars. Which is an odd this, color for a car. Right. In the span of like 
four hours. Yep. It was crazy. Another glitch. There are stories of people, like, seeing the, the same woman, like, doing the same activity. Like, maybe a woman standing at a bus stop with, like, a bouquet of roses. And then they'll go to another bus stop and see another one with a bouquet of roses and then another one. Another glitch would be dreams that come true. People have these, like, crazy vivid dreams. And then when they wake up, they actually live that dream out in real life. So kind of similar to deja vu. People who experience the same exact dream at the same time. Yeah. Um, like two completely different people at two completely different. Yeah, like shared experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I've, I've definitely heard of that one. That's fucking scary. People losing large amounts of time that are have just gone completely unaccounted for. That's another one. That's um, not aliens, though. <laughs> maybe I mean, it could be. Maybe it the aliens made maybe. the simulation. I mean, maybe. Yeah, or maybe they're the, like puppet masters. There's also could be people, places, objects that just seem off or not really from this dimension, or objects that kind of seem to defy the laws of physics, which I've seen a lot of images and videos on TikTok where, like, weird shit. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be a bird just, like, flying, and then, like, in midair, just stop. Yeah. And it's just, like, stuck there. And it looks like it's a complete, like, just, like, like graphic. Like, it's interesting. There's a lot of ancient um, masonry, too, that we still don't yeah. know how that mm-hmm. they created and yep. replicated that, like fit together with like machine precision Mm -hmm. they don't they don't even require like mortar right and they're still standing it's crazy crazy. the only other story i want to share with you guys today is after reading this and like getting a better understanding of glitch in the matrix or like multi-dimensions and all that kind of other stuff um i don't know i think i told this story one time um on one of our episodes about i guess my own kind of glitch in the matrix story where when i was in college and Chelsea and I shared a dorm room. We were a complete opposite sides of the dorm room, which is like an apartment. And I had a dream where I sat up and she walked in my room and it was so vivid. Like it was real to me. And she sat down on the end of my bed with like her head in her hands and she was just sobbing. And so I sat up and I was like, Chelsea, are you okay? What's wrong? And she was just crying and crying and crying. And like, like I felt her emotion. I felt the weight of her sitting on the edge of my bed and I was just sitting there trying to console her. And then all of a sudden she just kind of vanished like she turned into static like Ew. that you would see like on tv kind of um like just kind of pixelated and like disappeared and i was like hmm, weird okay fell back asleep yeah well then the next morning when i got up she was telling me that she had a dream i walked into her room sat on her bed with my hands in my with my head in my hands and like sat in her bed and was like sobbing and she was trying to console me and then i vanished and we had that same dream the same night yeah like, what the fuck absolutely not crazy right Okay, the end of my segment. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Good job! <Done>. Okay. <laughs> Those accents, um, man. That was really good, Savannah. Great Dang. job. And yeah. now it's Birdie's turn. Talk to us. Yeah, so um, I'm going to apologize right off the bat because I forgot my <laughs> iPad at home. Oh, no! Um, oh, my iPad? Nah. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of science words, so just bear with me as I kind of struggle through this. So I took a slightly different... Um, approach than Savannah. I think we all did, but so you're gonna get like multiple layers to this Matrix verse. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, the the route that I went is um, recent scientific experiments and theses and research that actually show that we have computer codes naturally occurring in our world. Ugh, I love it, but Which also I'm freaked a... out about it. Yeah. So uh, the the first one that I'm gonna talk about is. Um, that light is crazy and we don't understand it or understand why. So Isaac Newton believed that light was made out of particles. Um, 
And one of the main characteristics of a, a particle is that it holds volume and mass. So if you think of it in terms of like a softball, I can have one softball in one specific place, but if I grab another softball, I can't put it in that exact same place because it takes up mass. Yeah. I either have to move one ball or I have to like combine them till they aren't a softball anymore. And right? I mean, let's face it, you're good with balls, so if anybody could do if it. If anybody knows how to juggle them balls, <laughs> it's either me or Isaac Newton. <laughs> so his theory on light didn't always make sense because, you know, you take two beams of light, cross them together, you don't have an explosion of light. They just kind of form into one, like, stream together. Yeah. Right. So his light particle theory made sense in some experiments, but not in another one. So there was another uh, physicist who came along later named Thomas Young, and he said, actually, light is made out of waves. And the way to think of waves is you, like, took a rock, you dropped it in the water, and it ripples out waves. You can have multiple waves on top of each other in the same space, and it doesn't change the characteristic of the wave. Like, they can be in the same space. They don't have mass. They don't have volume to them. And this actually made more sense. And so uh, a bunch of physicists, a bunch of nerdy dudes, shout out to y'all, I love y'all, yeah. decided, like, okay, well, let's find out what is light. Is light made out of particles? Light's made out of waves. And so they did this thing called the uh, double uh, slit. Y'all are... I know. hear me say the word slit a lot, uh, which is fun uh, for everyone, right? The double slit <laughs> experiment. And they set up one screen, and then, like, a couple inches in front of it, they set up another one, and they cut two little slits in it. And they shone two separate beams of light through it. And the idea is, if they're particles on the other screen, you're going to see two individual strands of light, right? Okay, yeah. They did that, and what happened was, like, one big beam of light, even mm. though they were completely parallel. They, like, merged, merged. together, okay. made one big beam of light. And so they're like, okay, well, yeah, so this proves Young was right. This is obviously a wave, because they combine mm -hmm. and they flow together. Well, <laughs> that was great. So in the 1920s, uh, physicists decided, like, well, it still doesn't really explain everything, because sometimes light made more sense as particles. Mm -hmm. So they figured out how to, like, separate individual photons and shoot them through this. And then what they found out is, like, one individual photon could interfere with itself. Okay. So they found out that light can be both. It can be both a particle and a wave. This is mind-bending because that's like me saying this coffee cup is an elephant when I hold it in my left hand, but can sometimes be a cloud when I hold it in my right hand. They're two completely different things. Right. They yeah. act completely different. One has mass, one doesn't. Yeah. Uh, it also showed that the photons had awareness to them. Like, the photons actually made a decision on what it was going to be, depending upon... Really? Yeah. So huh. it has okay. an... Ind there's something in it that allows it to have an independent awareness of what it needs to be in its environment. I yeah. feel like I need more sleep. Like, right? I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, I dumbed this down. Like, guys, I went to junior college. I haven't studied <laughs> physics since, like, 12th grade. So y'all are getting, like, the, like, Kathy Kelton. Hey, you know what? Express. I'll take it. Yeah. So it, it's just insane. We don't understand light, and light is all around us. And it's one of our basic necessities for everything. Mm -hmm. 
And it makes no sense. The other thing that I want to talk about is our DNA could one day actually replace computers. So in 2017, a a group of researchers at the University of Washington wanted to prove that the computers that were responsible for sequencing DNA were vulnerable to bio attacks. And so what they actually did is they took a computer virus and they decided to inject it into the DNA because their theory is like all these universities and research plants are using computers to sequence out DNA to look for, you know, things like abnormalities, how to cure cancer, how to create bioweapons. And they're getting all this DNA from anonymous donors. What if like a terrorist cell decided to donate DNA to this and they implanted this virus and the virus gets into the computer and then they have access to all this like bioweapon trade secret information, right? So they wanted to prove it strictly from an idea that this was a security threat. And so they created a computer code and they kept injecting it and they ha- into the, the DNA strands itself and running it through the computer. And what they found out is the DNA would see the computer code and disassemble it oh, on its own. okay. And if they took the same strand of DNA and they kept injecting it with the computer code, it deconstructed it quicker and quicker and quicker. Got Every smarter. It got smarter. Yeah. It learned. And, you know, we kind of have this thought already in our body because white cells yeah. attack viruses in a very similar way. But there is nothing inherently in DNA that should allow it to do this. Interesting. And it does on its own, which I just, I I love that. What this brought out was two things. One, that the DNA could continue to reprogram and and destabilize the virus on its own. Like, it recognized, like, this is a foreign body, Mm -hmm. even though the coding was done to completely match the RNA strands that were naturally occurring. And the other thing is that they realized that the storage capability of the DNA was unmastered. Like it's, it it could store more information than any supercomputer that we've ever thought of. And the fact that this theory was like brought up to the scientific community brought up the idea that someday our DNA could be used to store data like we do a supercomputer because it's not vulnerable to decomposition like it is. It's not vulnerable to magnetization. It literally can store information forever. So there is the idea that one day computers, like the, the core processor of a computer, could actually be replaced by human DNA. That's nuts. Yep. You know it's really interesting, if I could add to this? Yeah. So this exact thing like happens naturally in nature and like it's describing like CRISPR exactly to a T so like bacteria will actually store pieces of viral DNA in its own DNA it's like every fifth like chromosome and so like usually when a bacteria is attacked by a virus it usually you know dies but if somehow it survives it'll tear up the, the viral DNA store it in its own and it'll be able to recognize it faster and faster. Oh, crazy, yeah. And so it'll be able to disassemble it, and that's exactly how CRISPR works, where they can identify a chromosome, you know, a set of chromosomes and, you know, snip, snip it out immediately. Yeah. And it's, like, naturally occurring. Is that, well, like, mutations and stuff for, like, viruses or, like, um, it's just their something DNA. Like it's just a sequence of chromosomes that oh. it And is it, what is it, phagens <clears throat> that are naturally occurring in nature that... 
they're basically like if if you think of antibiotics as like a mass bomb towards a a, a bio yeah whatever they're called phagins are like assassins like you can get a very specific phagin that are naturally occurring in in the world and implant them into a human and it can go after that very specific bacteria that and yeah. wipe it out crazy and that's one use case of crispr too is like eventually mm-hmm. one day we'll be able to you know target one specific bacteria instead of having a, one pill that will target like right. many that it doesn't need to target the so good and the bad it's such an amazing technology well and then the bacteria doesn't get the chance to build up an immunity towards it well it, it takes longer probably yeah yeah well, because it's like ever evolving like right. if it gets smarter you know more like right informed along the way and that begs the question of like if nature is just so innately evolved to act like computer codes, mm-hmm. what happened first? Do we develop the computer codes to mimic nature, or does nature naturally mimic computer codes? Did the egg yeah, come that's... before the chicken? Exactly. Or did that's the... what I'm talking about in mine. And then the last thing that I want to uh, touch on is the... I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this. Every year they have an annual Isaac Azvami Memorial Debate. And basically, they bring together the I'm greatest. So dirty, I love it. I know. I really wish I, <laughs> I don't even know what it is, and it sounds great. Right. Every year, they bring together like the greatest minds and the academic. Oh fuck! Okay. Right. So they have professors. So obviously, I'm there. Right. They have professors <laughs> in um, theoretical physics. They have professors in theology, even, and they all come together and they debate one topic. Neil deGrasse Tyson fucking loves it. Yeah. He usually narrates it, which Hell I, yeah, of course he I would love to find a recording of it and just watch it. So this year, uh, or, well, in 2016, a theoretical physicist, uh, James Gate, claimed that he had identified actual computer code in, uh, embedded in his string theory equations. And this was not anything he was looking for. Mm-hmm. He is a very, like, matter-of-fact, mm-hmm. you know, studying string theory, like, I'm, I'm not looking for anything outside of. I want to understand this. And what he found when he was doing the sequencing of it is, like, he started watching the replication of ones and zeros over and over and over again. Okay. And we also see this in nature, too, with, like, the Fibonacci code. Yeah. You know, what makes um, a shell circular, what makes a sunflower, like, perfectly symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And he said he found error-correcting quotes, codes. And he said that's basically what we use. I know you're looking at me, to make uh, browsers work. And he said, so why were they in the equation I was studying about quarks and electrons and supersymmetry? And there are, like, lots of reasons to think why the world might be virtual, but he literally, the the string theory is, like, the theory of what makes everything. And he's literally finding computer codes inside what we believe makes everything in our universe. That's nuts. Yeah. It, it went on to be, like, a really great debate. Again, I don't want to, like, insult them by trying to go into it all. Uh, I have some sources that everyone can go and look at and read on. But there's a really great quote that I kind of want to yeah. leave us with on this. go for it. It was by uh, David Chambers, and he's a professor at the uh, New York University. And he said... You're not going to get proof that we're not in a simulation because any evidence that we could be simulated could actually be created by a simulation. We in this universe can create simulated worlds and there's nothing remotely spooky about that. Our creator isn't especially spooky. It's just some teenage hacker 
and the next universe up. Oh my god, that's so weird. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then my sources for all these are space.com, uh, quora.com, weirdscience.com, wired.com, and uh, scientificamerica.com. So you know what your last quote kind of reminded me of? Silly reference, but <clears throat> Men in Black. Do you remember the end scene where, like... Yeah, the marbles. The marbles! Yep. Yes. Absolutely. That's nuts. Like, who's to say that we're not someone's sim game? I know. Yeah. And there was a another scientist that was quoted in that, and she was like, that actually kind of gives me comfort. <laughs> like, it's out of my control. I'm not worried about it. As long as, this, as the processor isn't damaged, we're going to continue on living. And then when you All die, right. like, that's that's it. That's and then it. maybe you start in another simulation. Right. There you go. I guess the only points that I would bring up that might, you know, create some thought experiments. How dare you? <laughs> is uh, there was one time I heard like David Deutsch had said something about like you you don't truly know any like something thoroughly unless you're able to program it, which is interesting, suggesting that whoever created the simulation would have to know absolutely everything about you know all of us and and our environment and everything, which. They would have to obtain that knowledge from somewhere. So where would that knowledge come from unless they have a history of other simulations? Right. right. We're just but, one of many, but maybe. That's a good theory. But if you think of it, again, like we're three-dimensional beings in a four-dimensional world, we created Sims or Mario, for example. Mm-hmm. We had to know what we were creating. And of course we do because that's a two-dimensional object in a three-dimensional space well and there's not only just one version of it we've created several versions of it yeah but there's also like like if we were truly designed like why do we why are we poorly designed like if you look at like the anatomy of our eyes or something there's like lots of bad because it's a teenager he's got they don't know yeah he's just worried about the dick this ties perfectly into what i'm talking about no i love it (laughs) okay jerica you said it ties in nicely so i think naturally you should go next all right so i am doing (laughs) wait look at him being a part i know such great flow (laughs) i'm covering the peer-to-peer hypothesis and a new theory of free will god so nerdy i love it so i'm a lot of this is gonna be direct quotes because there are big things that i don't understand in this but and he also talks about several different other like resources that I obviously didn't go into <laughs> because it uh, just overall like it's like a peer paper um it was published in Sci- science scientia salon in 2015 um by Marcus Arvin basically this ties into kind of the simulation theory and the matrix and all of that because it talks about um as you were just kind of going into Verde we have this like computer game we have this sort of like events played out um and like you said in like a 2d space this is a theory that there are several, um, so it's not this creation of this whole, we're all interacting in this one space. It's the idea that there are several things interacting on the same uh, parallel with mm. each other and that we interact with different like dimensions or we interact with different computer games. So right. we have like different, like, just like little blips of it. Like right. And so then these issues, these, um, these glitches in the matrix are actually, is it, free will kind of getting because again there's like you were saying there's the error correcting codes to these these little bitty things like these little glitches like you said like with the lamp would be like a space where you know some sort of something almost like the butterfly effect where like something somewhere tied into this so now you see this maybe there's a glitch in one of these and so it's showing up in mm-hmm. another one parallel to that on you know, the other end you, you know what i think of when we keep 
referring back to that lamp, you know those backpacks that were created to look like their drawings mm-hmm. of backpacks? Like Blue's Clues oh, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, drawings? Yeah. freak my mind out. And yeah. every time you mention it, that's what I immediately That's like the, the pop art. Like yeah. the makeup. Like, like what the, if it's an Easter occasion. egg, we touch it and it's like... Yeah, oh my god, and then it causes all the portion. Um, so in computer science, there are two types of online simulations. There's a dedicated server simulation, which is one computer on the network server, serves as a definitive representation of objects and properties. So um, this is like the, you know, the home base, mm-hmm. and everything else is just kind of like what it's projecting out, right? Um, and so then there's also the peer-to-peer network simulation. So there's no single computer on the network, that serves as a definitive representation of objects or properties. But instead, the simulation is simply represented in parallel on various interacting computers on on the network as a whole. So, like, we're all living the same space, but we see it in different ways because, uh, you know, each of our computer screens is playing out in different ways. So it has a really cool graphic that I thought would, like, make sense. She's got a chart, y'all. I love it. I know. Oh, it looks like a crochet pattern. Right. <laughs> so this is like the, the dedicated server. So this is like the home base, you know, and there's all these computer A, B, C, you know, all the way up. Oh, okay. Um, and so this is the peer-to-peer. It's how, um, this is the theory that they interact with each other. So we're all level um, and we interact, right. you know. But this they have definite points of crossover. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like, they're related and, you know, like, you don't realize that they're, they're, inter- they're, other places until you see those errors so you don't realize that there's other things happening because we're all just kind of again you see it as you see it you know your perspective your world your view whatever um but those glitches are kind of reminders or like little check-ins like did free will happen somewhere did someone just kind of go rogue Mm -hmm. because again like then you start tying in like psychology and you start tying in like you know human behavior and then so I I could also see where this, in the mind of somebody that has, like, narcissistic personality, could really take hold because it's, like, I am the main player. Right. Nobody else really exists. Like, they're just here to cater to my storyline. Right. And you think that you're, like, um, a step of a, like, oh, I have the key to everything. Mm -hmm. I saw this and I realized this. So the guy, you know, in your story, Savannah, is, like, him chasing himself and he, like found out that he had this whole, you know, his past life or his, you know, yeah. when he was younger and stuff like that. So. Right. So that's kind of like your diagrams that looks like like centralization versus decentralization. And it's kind of like Mark Zuckerberg trying to create like a metaverse. And yeah. a oh, that dude's totally a fucking robot or something. <laughs> yeah. Like there's yeah, something there, no, about there's, him. He's glitchy Elon and Musk he doesn't too. blink a lot. Elon Musk too. I've never Have seen Have you guys ever clothes. seen that video of him trying to just, they're like, here's a video of Mark, Mark Zuckerberg eating toast. Oh my God. Crazy. Yeah, okay. just like random videos of him doing weird, like normal things where it's like, he's not right. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so notice what a peer to peer simulation is. It just is an array of two dimensional information, like I said, each computer's game, or um, I like the way that it referred to as like a DVD. So, like, we're playing this thing that's already there on a screen. So, like, everything's predictable. It's already made, it's predictable, it just kind of goes in. Um, it comprises a vast array of possible pasts, presents, and futures for the simulation so you know everyone has their own little story backstory mm-hmm. um again like a computer game program or dvd it's being read in real time by a multitude of external measuring devices so each computer on the network as we mentioned you know they all um interact parallel all interact parallel such that the joint measurements of all the computers on the network result in the appearance of a single observed intersubjective reality so like again you see what you see not realizing that the you know, all these things are interacting around mm. you. Yeah. And that would make sense with memory, too, because it's like if it's coded into your backstory, you know, you thinking back and remembering back like your day at work 
what if that never really happened? You're just like literally turning on in this moment and you're programmed to remember that. Interesting. Okay. So there are, now I'm going to kind of touch on different theories. So this guy talks about, he wrote a new theory of free will, basically was arguing that presently see some philosophical and scientific evidence in favor of each of the following hypotheses. And a lot of them are talking kind of similar to what you're saying, just like little things like the computer code and all these things. Some of them that he mentioned, eternalism about physical objects and properties. So past, present, and future physical objects and properties exist. Like mind-body dualism, the mind is at least partially um, comprised by non-physical properties. Subjectivity about the passage of time. Time's passage occurs within consciousness alone. And some of these I'll tie into more um, as I go on later, but um, just wanted to kind of like touch them. Only one timeline occurs, um, is actualized or consciously experienced by observers. So again, like you have your path, you have mm-hmm. your experience, you have, um, but again, like all of this is going on around you. Um, the holographic principle. So physical universe is simply a series of ordered two-dimensional information, like you said, ones and zeros written on some like cosmological horizon the theory of the multiverse um the observable physical universe is merely a small part of vast multiverse or alternative possibilities so some of the things in the metaphysical model we talked about kind of like each computer on its own network um explaining like physically unexplained so our world has a number of like baffling physical features some of these obviously don't they need but i'll just say them um (laughs) quantum superposition quantum interdeterminacy quantum entanglement um the relativity of time to observers there's no single objective universal clock Mm -hmm. like you know what the fuck is time and then that's why time travel kind of like right what the fuck is time yeah the fuck is light yeah all of it what's the fuck that lamp what the fuck is memory (laughs) what is that lamp what is goblin creek None of it makes sense. What is Mark Zuckerberg? (laughs) All the things I mentioned above, physical features listed, emerge naturally and inevitably from the computational structure of a peer-to-peer network simulation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here's how. The location of any object or property in the peer-to-peer simulation is also um, indeterminate. So each computer on the network has its own representation of where, like, you know, this cup is. Um, you know, on my playing field, it could be, you know, on top of this shelf and yours, it could be, you know, on your nightstand. Why are you saying cup when there is a hot, oh, the hot dog, dog bank? bank? Yes. The hot dog bank could be next to Michael's bedside because he's got to put that quarter in, in his. Realm. And he loves it. And he loves it right next. It's saying. Does it move when you put quarters in? <laughs> probably. It probably like sings like, get your hot dog! Goblin Creek! That's what it says. Goblin Creek! Wow, that would be weird. <laughs> Glitch in the Matrix. I, know. I didn't know. <laughs> okay, so so any measurement taken by any single device on a peer-to-peer network also um, verify affects the network as a whole. So again, like change something in yours, it's going to change in all the other computers um, in the simulation. So there's also, like you said, a ma- major ma- measurement problem. Going back to the other one, would that help explain like the Mandela effects that people... I feel like it could. Yeah. I, I totally believe that completely has to tie into this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, like you said, um, you'd have certain information or certain things that kind of are askew. It doesn't, we agree that there's this thing. We all know that, you know, Bernstein bears are there, but you know, in mine experience and, you know, on this, it says this, there's even those like, you know, those videos 
which whether or not they're doctored, whatever. Right. But you know those videos where it like shows like oh like it disappeared or oh it changed. Or, or they'll you know, get yeah. like an old cell phone from yeah. like you know, and they'll show like they'll pull up the camera screen. Well, and it would and be one thing if it were like a very select group of people that had this experience, but the fact that it shared, yeah, shared. super wide known, yeah, or like the the fact that before we had widespread communication technology, like before the internet. Everyone I knew played The Floor's Lava. How the fuck did we all automatically understand the game The Floor's Lava? All call it the same thing. Yeah. All have the same rules. Yeah. And it was all kids in the 90s. Yeah, that's not... That's true. Simulation. Done. Done. (laughs) Okay, so because different machines on the network represent the same object in slightly different positions at any given instant... A dynamic description of where a given object or property probably is will have features of a wave. So it has, again, like there's, again, like with the land, there'd be little parts of it are kind of Hmm. misrepresented. (gasps) What if when we're on drugs, but we're seen as reality? I mean, not that I've done drugs. (laughs) Stay in school. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Okay. Um, but... (laughs) You're looking at the time stamp. She's like, uh, we gotta bail out. <laughs> I'm out. Parachute. <laughs> any particular measurement on any particular computer will result in the observation of the object located at a specific point. Um, therefore, in, um, initiating a wave particle duality. So, again, like, how much of that is an actual real object? How much of that is just, again, like a projection? And like, right. So, yeah. Or a pixel. Yeah. Where it's like, again, like, it's crazy that in that story you're talking about how he was very, like, fixated on the fact that, like, this lamp looked off. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like, that lamp is moved. That la- like Right, this there's just lamp, something not quite it's right. It's there normally, but now it's weird looking. Yeah. And then, of course, like, he started, like, deteriorating when he was, like, trying to, like, catch this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So any particular measurement on any particular computer will result in the appearance of a collapse of wave-like dynamics of the simulation into a single determinate measurement. So again, like that's where he's like hyperfixating on that that lamp. This is the best example that I can use. That makes most. Sense. I, that's why I love that story because like it was the lamp to me like stood out the most. Like yeah. it's like mm-hmm. you're living your normal life and then there's just like one thing that you're like wait and it's it's always something that's so like ordinary, mm-hmm. you know. So this one ties into what you were talking about with the was it the resemblance? Is that that first one? Yes. Um, it is also a natural result of a peer to peer network that single objects can split into. So this is tying in your story about the um, resemblance. So they become entangled. So in peer-to-peer network, multiple computers can, in a manner of speaking, get slightly out of phase with one or more computers on the network coding for the particle passing through a boundary, while one or more other computers on the network for the coding for that same particle to bounce backwards. So in which case, if the coding is right, all of the computers on the network will treat the two resulting objects as simply later continuance of what was previously a single object. So Hmm. the lamp could present as like slightly like off and then kind of reset and he doesn't have that life and Mm. the resemblance could be he sees himself but then like he disappeared he vanished again it's like resetting sure and why wouldn't that be something like a programmer going in and fixing a code that he realized had a flaw in it yeah yeah as yeah because again if you you know again the puppet master if someone's kind of Mm -hmm. controlling each of these computers explaining the philosophically unexplained our reality also has a number of philosophically baffling features um, like I said, the mind-body problem, which I'm going to go into each of these. So the mind-body problem is a debate concerning the relationship between 
thought and consciousness in the human mind and the brain as part of the physical body. So it's like separating, does your brain control your body or your body can then inform mm-hmm. actions and, you know, thoughts that you do. Well, and there are people that have like medical issues where they're just like, I shouldn't have this hand. Right. I shouldn't have this hand. And they'll go to the extreme of like icing the Try, hand yeah, and like, amputating yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like that's like with, um, amputees and stuff where it's like the phantom limb yeah, pain mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, and they'll have this like almost psychotic episode. And yeah. then as soon as the hand's gone, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Or you trick your brain. Like I've seen where they, so one of the treatments for amputees when they have phantom limb pain is literally like having them look at themselves in a mirror reflected. Mm. So they can see and like they're massaging the leg that is there, but the reflection shows that it's the other one and it tricks your brain kind of into like resetting oh. from like that pain. So like, you know, say a lot of them, it's like you ache and place like you, your knee hurts, but you have no knee. Right. So it's like pains that you can't, remedy and it's just like your brain is telling you like sending you like signals like this hurts and your feet like again your body responds to the pain but even if it's not there so it kind of tricks your brain into like, saying like that yeah, task I was see fulfilled. It. this is me like yeah it's this is me oh, like going through the massaging to right. like because it's, remedy the thing it's They've doing done, like, the thing on the limb that is yeah there. they do acupuncture like i've hmm. seen like crazy things it's crazy so that's the mind body problem um there's also the problem of personal identity so the problem of personal identity is concerned with how one is able to identify a single person over a time interval. So dealing with such questions like, what makes it true that a person at one time is the same thing a person at another time? Which was just like, what the fuck? Or what kinds of things are we as persons? Like, what is, what genetic material in, like, the universe, that, like, particle, right. like, materializes like the, that shows this the is a person The pictures versus... of a person that looks just like Nick Cage from 300 yes. years ago. Genetic recycling. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, so explaining problems with time. So I talked about the passage of time illusion. Um, so is the passage of time an illusion? It is most likely an illusion. Um, according to Scientific American, the passage of time is probably the most basic facet of human perception, for we feel time slipping by in our innermost selves in a manner that is altogether more intimate than our experience of, like, say, space or mass. So... We feel like we're running out of time, but things aren't. Objects are staying the same. Yeah. As someone in my mid-30s can concur. (laughs) Um, And then also explaining and maybe solving the problem of free will. So this is a big kind of hot topic right now. Um, It talks about the problem of free will in this context is the problem of how choices can be free given that what one does in the future is already determined as true or false in the present. Hmm. So that's like... um, theological like determinism so that's another big like deep dive in in itself um some of the big kind of points um peer-to-peer simulations and other online video games um show that appearance of determinism or causal closure within a simulation can actually be an illusion of sorts generated by um also the causal interaction in a higher reference um not determined by any law of physics um so that's kind of like what you were talking about um with um was it crispr and how, like, um, it kind of finds and codes and then, like, kind of attacks this thing or changes this thing and kind of eliminates it. It's kind of similar uh, situation with, um, like, free will. Can we find and, you know, like, these ones into this error-correcting code? Is that similar to the, the CRISPR technology? Is it finding and seeking? Is it learning that this is not how... Because, again, you've already got this predetermined set of things that are supposed to happen is this determining like that's not supposed to be there is it self-correcting because it realizes that it's not following 
the correct path or is someone making the conscious choice? Hmm. This doesn't need to be or what happens if I take away this? And then it automatically creates something different, you know? So, so that kind of like for an example, because like I keep on thinking of like the game The Sims, which I play a lot. But yeah. like, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously the coding, like The Sims, they they you can turn on autonomy, right? You have free will. Um, but like realistically, there's still parameters in place, yeah. right? So like, oh, okay, they're choosing to walk into the bathroom right now and go to the bathroom because they need to pee. But I can like pause the game. And lock them in the bathroom and delete the toilet. Then what? Like, I turn them back on and there's no toilet there. So then, like... And they can't leave. Yeah. Well, and that makes sense, too, in the construct of, like, time. Because it's like, yeah, I'm making these choices. But I'm, you know, I'm choosing to turn the air conditioner down. But I can only do that because I live in this day and age where an air conditioner is available. Right, 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 yeah. It's true. So whenever you think of, like knowledge creation like that's one thing that's that's the only thing in the in the universe that you can't predict ahead of time so when you're talking about like a computer simulation how does that fit in like nobody really knows like where knowledge comes from like we're recognizing patterns and stuff but how do we come up with something that previously didn't exist but how do you know that it didn't exist it could be that you're just that like again you don't have the, you don't speak the language yet so at one point then you become enlightened and you start to realize those things that you're you're like experiencing aren't just like appearing out of thin air it's like you picking out patterns so again right. it's stuff that's already been created you're just assembling it to be right this you and know, it's this been there theory. your whole life but i mean at five years old you didn't recognize that yeah but well, here at 33 you did and it's kind of like the fact that we've had the greatest advancement in technology in human civilization in the last 30 years than the past thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. before. you think about true crime, like, cold cases are being solved all the, all the time the mm-hmm. inf- with the information that was already there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we new just didn't being know created. How to Again, you just found the right tool to use to, like, tap in. Okay, so predictions and this section is called The Proof is in the Pudding. <laughs> um, this brings to the final issue, um, which is that libertarian combat compatibilism, that's really hard to say, compatibilism, and the peer-to-peer hypothesis make unique predictions that, if verified, would give us more reasons to believe in all of this craziness. So, although um, further investigation may reveal the peer-to-peer simulation hypothesis and libertarian compatibilism to make more predictions than these, the minimum the theories make the following unique set of predictions. Our universe is a simulation. Yes, there are some telltale signs. Our universe is a hologram for which there also might be some telltale signs. We have libertarian free will, for which there might also be some telltale signs, again, subtle violations of the normal kind of quantum wave functions within the brain. So on the last point, he explains in his um, A New Theory of Free Will, if such violations of the normal quantum wave function are observed in brains, those violations may well appear to have fully physical explanations within our reference frame. Since no matter which physical path through the universe or the multiverse our consciousness choose, there will always be some physical explanation within that path to explain how the quantum violation arose. So even if there are violations or things that ap- that appear to us um, in our reference um, to preserve some, there's always some sort of like causal determination. So again, like they relate to each other. So there's right. always some sort of something. In it. But again, it's like what's causing that? Is it free will? Is it just can you know? Is it chaos? Spontaneous combustion? Like. Who knows? So yeah, that is all this shit that I was talking about. I love it. Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. And how it tied in perfectly. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, producer Mikey Woo-hoo! in the house. Guest star. Mikey, Mikey. Bring us with the sign. Michael. 
Uh, what uh, what uh, interesting stuff do you got for us? Uh, first of all, we'd like to say thank you for having me. Uh, oh, it's, uh, in your own house, in your closet. Great. It's I'm great being blood. in the closet recording. <laughs> it's a different experience. Isn't it? Sure. Being on the other side of the mic. Yeah, I, I think that everything that you were all talking about kind of ties in perfectly. I'm kind of explaining uh, the multiverse and quantum theory and, and, you know, great detail to kind of, you know, simplify the concepts. Quantum yeah, theory. Just like, well, yeah, it's no big deal. That's right. <laughs> But, no, you know, shit chat. of course, there's a disclaimer, like, the people that I got the, the information from are way smarter than me, yeah. so... Yeah, 100%. I, a Always that, check out the sources. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I might, you know... I, I am not one. ...portraying things incorrectly, but my sources are basically uh, a podcast called TalkCast by Brett Hall. He's, like, a, an astrophysicist from Australia. Oh, hell yeah. And uh, TalkCast stands for, like, Theory of Knowledge, which is also called uh, Theory of Epistemology, and his podcast is basically describing david deutsch's work Um, he wrote the beginning of infinity and the fabric of reality um so those are the three sources pretty much just building blocks just starting there david is actually both a philosopher and a physicist at oxford and he's considered the founder of quantum computation holy shit can you imagine can you imagine i want that on my fucking tombstone yeah like he's like i look up to this guy He's, he's amazing as someone who works with a lot of extremely smart people like way above my pay grade it's always very reassuring to me when they can't, like, book their own plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. like, they're like, yeah. yes, Party. I um, understand. <laughs> like, all these, like, radar-induced geographical measurements. Mm-hmm. I'm shit at composing an email. Yeah. Like, got you. I got you. There's so many doctors do that. that can't even, like, work a fax machine or, like, It's insane. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, or rotate a PDF. That's yeah, why we were all crazy. made. Let's well, just, yeah. we're, this is what we are made for. We help yep. each other out. <laughs> Strengths and weaknesses. Yep. All right, Checks so, and balances. Uh, basically, you know, I'm going to start off with just the reminder that atoms are made up of three elements. That's protons, neutrons, and electrons. And quantum theory is essentially an explanation of the fundamental properties of matter. So um, these atomic and subatomic levels is what quantum theory is trying to describe. Um, Some of the very first, actually the very first experiment to prove the multiverse is a real thing was actually created by David Deutsch himself. And quantum theory actually relies on the existence of multiple universes in order for it to be true. Interesting. And this is very on brand right now because... The Marvel Universe is really diving real deep into it. So there's yeah. like a yep. broader understanding across the level at at every learning range. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What a multiverse could be. And, and the crazy thing is like David actually says that the multiverse part of quantum theory is one of the least remarkable things about quantum theory. What? Like, yeah, so I'm just barely scratching the surface. Like, Jeez. Okay. When considering like a possible reality of you know, ghosts or glitches in the matrix, I think it's reasonable to assume, you know, a potential explanation that would involve multiple parallel universes as as we've come together. Are you coming to tell us ghosts aren't real? This is not the space to do (laughs) that. So why we invited you. Yeah. Not saying that, but but consider this thought experiment, and I kind of got this from Brett's uh, podcast. Um, So basically, an, an invisible man, a.k.a. ghost, would technically be blind if you think about it because he's not absorbing any light within his eyes there's no there's no (laughs) light going into the retinas it's just passing straight through his body and so it's not traveling from a retina to a brain in order for the ghost to interpret the information and navigate the world but 
if he is somehow not blind, then he must be receiving light from somewhere that's invisible to us. Like, we won't be able to see it. Mm-hmm. So the man himself is invisible to us, so that's a very good possibility. So that's that's kind of like the, the mantis shrimp. Um, it actually has something like 3,000 more pixels in its eye than a human does, right? So it can yeah. see all these colors and objects that we can't... Why? It's yeah. in the bottom of the ocean. There's no evolutionary, like, advantage Ocean to aliens... It. Ocean aliens. <laughs> Ocean Octopus? aliens. Octopus? Uh, no, I, I think I've, I've said this theory before yeah. on the podcast that Earth was not made for humans. It's mostly water. And that naturally octopus, octopi should be the highest level of evolution mm-hmm. on this planet. And we're just kind of a mistake. Okay, That's why so, the infinity symbols. So in. I have to add to that. So whenever right. you think of like a creator, like a divine god or someone who's creating a simulation it comes back to like design and so you were talking about the shrimp i think that shrimp has like 16 photoreceptors or cones in its eye that allows it to see all these different colors humans have three there's like a small subset of females that have four and they can see colors that we don't have names for but and you're in the room with all of them so if we're being designed (laughs) why do we have this eye our eyes that have like blood flow in front of the retinas where we have an optic nerve in the back of the eye that creates this blind spot that our brain has to compensate for it's not it's not the best design that like an octopus has or, or that shrimp has a better design than we do we're like so. poorly designed or even pigeons pigeons can see like 360 oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> even... i don't know it, it doesn't add up to me but so what do you have against pigeons because <laughs> where'd that come well from? they're just they're not to me, it's like that should be something an apex yeah. predator or yeah. highly evolved right. being would have. Yeah. True. Fucking pigeon. Yeah, owls, too. And, and so if you think of like ghost sightings or glitches in the Matrix, what do they all have in common? They all include some form of light alongside or within it. So this implies that photons, like you were talking about earlier, Elizabeth, can travel back and forth between multiple universes. Because we are actually visualizing light sourced from their universe because it's not naturally occurring in ours. Mm. So you might also consider, which you touched on this as well, if a ghost is seen like walking through a human, why are they also not falling through the floor? Mm. They they must have a ghostly floor or walls that confine them to similar boundaries as us. So if you believe in ghosts, then it makes sense that there's a parallel universe. Right. Fuck yeah. So now going back to the quantum theory, um, it's an explanation of matter on an atomic or subatomic scale. Let's dive into this a bit deeper. So when something is divided down into its smallest component, these are called quanta. Sometimes quanta will behave like particles and sometimes like waves, like you were mentioning. So this means that it's either spreading through time and space as a wave or acting as one single point in space at any particular time. Logically, it's impossible to do both at once, and I say logically because we need to attempt to stay within the constraints of logic with our explanations. So some explanations that try to refute or describe the multiverse um, kind of go way outside the constraints of logic and just don't make sense at all. So um, I'm actually going to go over a couple of experiments um, that kind of help prove that there's an existence of a multiverse. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but there's also, like, some experiments mm-hmm. that I'm skipping because I didn't have enough time to deep dive. Yeah, it's um, hard to pare down. I, there's yeah. so yeah. much yeah. evidence out there. So one of the interesting experiments that I'm actually not going to be covering um, kind of goes over what Elizabeth was talking about. 
the experiment was it's basically like the particle theory of light where it's trying to determine if light behaves more like a wave or like a particle so basically like when it passes through something does it make it vibrate up and down or does it actually displace it and move it like a particle um, so the first experiment experiment I'm going to describe um, it's kind of dense and but it's very remarkable so I, I have to begin by describing the photoelectric effect and this can be demonstrated by firing light particles with varying levels of intensity towards some kind of metal. And mm -hmm. so the varying levels of intensity are defined by the photon's overall wavelength. So decreased wavelengths are described as higher frequency wavelengths and higher intensity wavelengths, while increased wavelengths correspond with lower frequencies and lower intensities. And there's something called the threshold frequency. So whenever the photons are being fired uh, and they're striking the metal, if they're below that frequency, then nothing's gonna happen. But as soon as they pass that frequency, you'll start seeing electrons uh, moving in the opposite direction. Does that play into uh, the theory of Schrodinger's cat at all? The idea that you put a cat in a box with radioactive material and before you open it, there is a 50-50 probability that it is both dead and alive. Like, there is a, a point where it is both dead and alive before you open that box. To... What? Okay, I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Schrodinger's cat? No! Hey, girl, what's up? Sorry, that was intense. I'm drunk. No, no I mean... <laughs> Feel free to leave that shit in. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think it um, relates to that. It's, it's actually kind of a simple explanation. It just has to do with collisions. Um, so the higher intense photons being shot are actually knocking the electrons off of the atom and then it's bouncing off of the metal and going the opposite direction so it's basically reflection that's what happens whenever you pass the threshold frequency by increasing the intensity uh, which is a higher frequency wavelength you can compare this to if you're floating in an ocean and you're struck by low energy waves and you simply float up and down you're not displaced you're not being pushed in any given direction oh. um, they, and the waves seemingly pass through each other, like sound traveling through a window, and the window's not moving. But as the intensity of the waves increase um, and it surpasses a specific threshold, then you start feeling yourself getting pushed around. Um, so the explanation of the photoelectric effect is necessary to understand when you're looking at the, the experiment that I'm leading up to, <laughs> which uh, proves the existence of what they call in what Brett calls intangible shadow photons, which I'll get back into later. Uh, so in this experiment, it's impossible to explain the outcome unless you consider that there are two photons involved. Even though there's only one single photon of light in the experiment that you're firing, it requires two photons to exist in order to explain what happens at the end. Basically, the, there's one photon that's undetectable by our equipment in our universe, but it follows the same exact laws of physics as the detectable photons. So the only way to explain it is to postulate that there is a second equal real photon involved. So that's definitely a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, so basically, uh, you would need two light detectors, two regular mirrors, and two half-silvered mirrors. And the half-silvered mirrors act as beam splitters. Mm -hmm. And I before I move on, I actually highly recommend that if people are listening to this to look at Brett Hall's visual illustration of this experiment because it's kind of hard to keep up. Um, so you can think of a half-silvered mirror as a one-way viewing mirror, like in an interrogation room. The material is a mixture of glass and metal, and 
on the interrogation side it requires like a very bright light while on the other side it requires a dim light um, so this is the photoelectric effect um, so the detectors would stand on the side with the dim light and the suspect would be on the side with the highly uh, you know the bright light and uh, whenever you're fire firing a single photon of light towards the beam splitter so just to show you guys like if the light is being shot from here the beam splitter is right here and then there's two regular mirrors right here and then so, so it, like bounce. yeah so it goes it splits up the beam splitter it goes to the two mirrors and then it comes back to this point right here sure. and our two detectors are either side of that corner okay so if, when firing the photon of light towards the beam splitting mirror you can expect that it would have a 50 50 chance of going left or right um, at any given point so that's pretty standard and you can test that and it you know happens pretty close to 50 it might be like 54 or 55 percent um, so the regular mirrors will refer to them as mirror one and mirror two and since everything is governed by the laws of physics, we can reliably predict that 50% will go each way from and arrive at mirror one and mirror two. So the metal in the half silver mirror allows photons to bounce off, while the glass portion of the mirror allows the photons to continue propagating. Therefore, some will bounce, some will refract through the glass, and then some will continue to transmit without changing much direction at all. <laughs> so I, sorry, I have a question on that. Yeah. Do they ha have a way to determine why certain photons go one way or another, or is it kind of chaotic? Um, so I'm definitely going to get into that. It, okay. it has to do with uh, interference, which I, which I think one of you had mentioned already. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so the photons pass through the first beam, the beam splitter. They bounce off, and they go to either mirror one or mirror two. And then after that, they will arrive at either detector one or detector two. We have not introduced the second beam splitter yet. So when continually firing these photons through the initial beam splitter, um, like I said earlier, 50% will arrive at detector one, 50% will arrive at detector two, which uh, proves accurate with experiments. So this phenomenon is, uh, the, the interesting phenomenon is whenever you introduce the second beam splitter. So you have the beam splitter, then you're going, then it's getting sent to the two mirrors, but then now you're going to introduce another beam splitter after the regular mirrors, but before the two detector. You would also expect a 50-50 ratio of the photons arriving at detector 1 and detector 2. Theoretically, you would think that that would happen. But what has actually happened is that the photons of light are splitting into two photons at the initial beam splitter, then recombining into a single photon whenever they reach the second beam splitter. Um, so this causes an odd phenomenon where the photon will 100% of the time arrive at detector 2, and oh, there's wow. a 0% chance of it ever reaching detector 1. So sure. the photoelectric effect shows us that there is no such thing as half photons. You cannot split a photon into right. two. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to place the detector immediately after the initial beam splitter, before mirror 1 and before mirror 2, then you would notice that only one of the detectors will ever go off uh, when previously with a single beam splitter and two regular mirrors you would actually notice both detectors going off how the hell do you just like stumble into this like <laughs> science bitch <laughs> okay break that be the, the, the <laughs> mic drop <laughs> science bitch, bitch. Yeah. and then doop 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 so this demonstrates that the photon does not split in half in our universe 
It can be better described as splitting of a multiversal object rather than the splitting of a photon. <laughs> She's another Sorry, character. I do. So, okay. So are you saying, like, if it's split and both combine on mirror A, there is a separate but equal universe where they split but bounce off of mirror B? Exactly. Because it's a 50-50 probability. Exactly. Yep. You got Science, it. bitch! <laughs> <laughs> so the experiment, it suggests that the photon is a multiversal object. And uh, it, it exists in many different universes at once. So that goes back to the fact whenever you're seeing a ghost and you also see the lights, you know, that Like she the came ghost. up with the theory herself. <laughs> like, I, I did it! I did it! So I cracked science! <laughs> so, like, Remember the time I figured out black-eyed children? <laughs> it's very impressive. Thank you. Um, so I have an associate's degree from He's trying to college. keep going, Bernie. <laughs> I'm right. sorry I'm drunk. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> sorry I'm drunk! <laughs> So basically, half of all universes will cause it to go toward mirror one, and half of the others will cause it to go to mirror two. So it might sound confusing, but bear with me. Our detectors... No, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. You're solid. Understanding. So fucking Tell me you're married to John without telling me you're married to John. It's fine. So you have to keep in mind that our detectors and us only exist in one single universe, so it's impossible to detect the other photons from the other universes with our single universe detector. Hence the detection of only one photon, 100% of the time at detector 2, and nothing at detector 1. Detector's starting to sound strange. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what? No, it's multiverse. Yeah, okay. Science, bitch! The detector is just receiving the, the light at the end of, to, you know, show the, to prove the experiment. We got it. Okay. <laughs> they don't. We got it. We're cool. Oh, we can oh, kick out of the club. I know, what do we do? <laughs> So, th so this ex explanation is surrounding something called constructive and destructive interference, which waves can actually cancel each other out if the, the troughs and crests of their wavelengths reciprocate with each other. Um, so like one wave, the, the trough is, you know, completely opposite of the other wave. So it's like um, kind of with like the lamp thing where like mm -hmm. it kind of basically any itself. Type of light, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, light wave, water, uh, sound. sound. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, we're in the same wavelength. That's right. <laughs> there we yeah. are. Oh, dad joke number one. I think Bro we're combination okay. interference over here. They're destructive. <laughs> okay, so going <laughs> back to when we introduced the second beam splitter, the photons going through never actually reached the the first detector due to the destructive interference, which led them to cancel each other out um, because of their reciprocating wave wavelengths. However, the combined um, wavelengths that reach detector 2 and make it there 100% of the time are due to the similar troughs and the similar crests of both wavelengths of the real tangible photon and the intangible photon from the other universe. Sure. So basic uh, physics principles explain that there's... <laughs> Pretty basic. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's basic. No, this, the next part is basic. Oh, okay. Um, so... The, they'll be able to get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a, a phase change of the wavelength each time the light is reflected off of a mirror so the trough and the crest will actually reverse and uh equal but opposite reaction yeah pretty yep. much <laughs> <laughs> let me throw out any science word i know <laughs> no she's like homeschooled <laughs> associates do you want me to show you what our science hand signal bitch. was for my college it was this we were the chaparrales <laughs> what the fuck where did that come from i don't know Multiverse. Uh, so the, the <laughs> he's like I don't know what's happening. The this sorry, is sorry, our sessions get chaotic sometimes. No, it's cool. It's this is kind of long winded. So, 
the wavelength will change its phases 100% of the time when it hits a, a regular mirror and then 50% um, of the time when it reaches a beam splitter, so changing the troughs and the crest. Um, so what does that suggest? If it's like you're able to manipulate it, does it say it does that naturally occurring? Yeah, so whenever it reflects like off of a mirror, then it reverses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh -oh. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if it continues to transmit and it doesn't reflect, then the, there is no phase change. So when you're going through the beam splitter, one direction, it's going to be the same phase, but the other direction, so it's going to be opposite. possibilities. I see. Yeah, but they're both going to hit a regular mirror, so it's going to actually reverse again um, and go back to the original phase, when it, the one that's going up, and then the one that went that transmitted initially and then reflected off the regular mirror is now So it reversed. splits and creates different pathways. Yeah, yeah. So, so is that saying, like, if I decided, if I had two options for breakfast and one was, like, a bagel and one was cereal, I would, at that point, create two different universes, one where I chose the bagel and one where I chose the cereal, and then there would be different... Yeah, like, yeah, they vary. For, basically for every, like, decision you make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. choose your own adventure. Yeah, and millions and millions of universes. It's suggestive that the other universes all follow the same laws of physics. There's an episode of So Weird from Disney that <laughs> that show this. was wild. I remember that. Um, so yeah, wh whenever you go through the initial beam splitter, go through the regular mirrors, and then you arrive at the second beam splitter, um, you're basically either going to have a combination or a cancellation effect, and you know, leading to the phenomenon that we were mentioning earlier. So a subtle yet important piece of information is that. With the first beam slit splitter, the photon is colliding with the metal side of the mirror, causing a phasic change, which is causing it to reflect. And the other part is going through the glass side, which is you know continuing continuing to transmit, but it's also refracting because of the change in density, which is also changing the the distance in which the photon is traveling. So if you're in the universe that chose the bagel, and the bagel gets stuck in your throat and you die, <laughs> that's the end of it right because you chose that one if you chose the one with the cereal and you continue on yeah. am i way oversimplifying this uh i, I don't know if i <laughs> can connect it that's exactly fine we can cut it out <laughs> no no it's fine i mean you would, you would Add die that to your, if you your on a for sure <laughs> I mean, but those like, are basically the option that you chose at the at the crux <laughs> would determine what pathway you're allowed to proceed on it's almost like you know, one option, like, you know, is happening, like, you recognize it as happening in your universe, but there's also a, a reciprocal, like, another action happening that you're not familiar with, because it's not something you can see or witness or feel. Um, it's like in Mario Kart, you know, where someone takes the secret path, and, it's how and they, you end up on the same field, but you don't know how they got there or what they went through, unless you look at their screen. Welcome okay. to this side of the table, Jerrica. <laughs> I could, you could join us. Have, have we done that? Okay. Okay. Wrap it up, bitches. Okay. It's 10 minutes. Hold okay. on. Okay. So basically at the end of the, uh, you know, the setup, the, the two photons collide at the beam splitter and one leads to constructive interference at um, detector two, 100% of the time. And the other one leads to destructive interference at detector one, 100% of the time. And the takeaway is that in order to explain how the photon always arrives at detector 2, we must assume that a second photon exists to counteract... Oh, yeah, because they have to be in 2. Exactly, and causes that interference. Um, so this is, this is essentially defined as the existence of at least two universes interfering with each other by separating and recombining. 
The second intangible photon is considered to be derived from a parallel universe, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. while the tangible photon is derived from our own universe. So that could be very confusing without the illustration, so we'll definitely, I'll try to find that and give it to you guys. So is it saying that one is, quote-unquote, not real and one is, like, what you experience, or is it be just because you aren't experiencing it doesn't necessarily well yeah they're saying it's 100 percent real whether we realize it or not it, yeah. our detectors are just incapable of uh, experiencing detecting it, it. yeah God. the next concept that i'm about to go over is easier to you know it'll drive the point home if you didn't quite understand that first one um so this involves i think elizabeth would actually enjoy this one but it involves shooting photons through an opaque barrier containing varying number of small slits and uh, it's another reproducible test that leads to unintuitive results. And so as light passes through one small slit, like you just have a beam of light going through, you'll notice a large amount of light coming out of the back. Uh, behind Were you in here when she did that? When she talked yeah. about that? Oh, no. Yeah. Was that today? Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that was when you were out of the oh, way to yes. pause it. Okay. So that she can talk about it because that's literally like what she was talking about. And it was funny that you both were out of the room. Wow. What are we in right now? <laughs> parallel universe actually you know what just keep on going i'll just yeah you're yeah. just ready to be done or what <laughs> no okay okay so you're shooting um you're shooting through one slit and there's a lot of light coming out on the opposite side now whenever you start increasing the amounts of slits like there's two slits side by side you'll notice a constructive and destructive interference pattern on the other side similar to the previous experiment which will lead to shadows and a smaller amount of light escaping through the back. So as you introduce more and more, less and less light will make it to the other side, which is very counterintuitive. You would think that the more huh. openings would allow more yeah. light yeah. to go through. Um, so with two slits next to each other, you, it would be reasonable to assume that the light is passing through both slits in roughly equal amounts and that the interference pattern on the other side is a result of the photons colliding with each other, AKA constructing and deconstructing. However, if you just fire one single photon through a single slit when four slits are present, you will see the same exact interference pattern you had received when shooting equal amounts of light through all four of the slits. So how can one explain this interference pattern when only one photon passes through only one of the slits? So if you were to place four light detectors along the opposite sides of the slits, only one of them would ever detect a photon. If photons were able to split, you would have two detectors going off simultaneously. Therefore, you must wonder what is interfering with the single photon in our experiment as it passes through the single slit, yet still presenting multiple shadows and patterns of interference. So we have to assume that the interfering entities are behaving similarly to the tangible light photons passing through the other slits in the same manner, yet they cannot be seen. So Brett refers to these two types of photons as tangible photons, the single photon that we're shooting through that one slit and arriving at our detector, and shadow photons, which are the invisible types of photons only detectable by the interference patterns themselves. So each photon is um, inferred to be tangible in one universe while intangible in all other universes. And there are many more shadow photons for every tangible photon which is very interesting. So there's a one-to-one -one ratio? No, no. Oh, Actually, I'm it's, sorry. It's like... Get on this side of the table. God yeah. damn it! Um, so what, what 
you had missed is something that I had missed whenever I was out and you were talking. <laughs> so weird. Glitch. So yeah. he was literally explaining the same theory that you were earlier. You Okay, you know when you watch a show from the 90s and they're like explaining how email works? <laughs> and they're like, she it's an electronic bra, mail. Yes. Like, it's an electronic mail. You get it at your home. That's what I feel like my version is. And his version is like, yeah, no, fuck. We all know what email is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a much higher level. I'm enjoying yeah. this a lot. I really am. I'm sorry. I'm um, The interesting thing is that there's a lot more shadow photons than there are tangible photons. And, and you can see this whenever you cut more slits in the barrier, and it ultimately introduces more interference. So the exact number cannot be calculated, but physicists have determined that there must be at least one trillion shadow photons accompanying each single tangible one. So we need that many slits, Bertie. So when you're making your video, just do like little like lines but on just, your Why'd you point to your vagina? <laughs> um, so, okay, I have a question, and this might not be... <laughs> I'm sorry. This might not be relative to what you're talking about. So when you say shadow, is it a non-tangible... But it Basically, like a self-destructive, like shadow, a non-productive. Let's no, put it that way. Realm for the, we the can photon. Consider it. There's like an end point to it, whereas the other one has like a productive... It may be productive it. to us because we can witness it and experience it, but the other photons are still obeying the same laws of physics. They're still bouncing, refracting, and traveling at the speed of light, um, So, but just in a different universe and not detectable by our detectors. So to me, that kind of leads into more of the realm of chaos theory. Like, the, the universe naturally wants chaos, right? Like, if we're pulling towards... Well, again, it ties in that free will. I don't know, what this, I th about. this to me kind of shows, like, a reproducible, like, pattern, but it kind of proves, like, an, you know, that there's multiple universes where right, things are happening that are Reproducible to what end? Like, why would one end be more, I don't know, this isn't the right word, but alluring <laughs> to a photon versus the other that we can, like, measure and observe? Like, what is it about option B that creates multi well, it's like, it's like, it's like, I'm sorry I'm drunk well it's like you were talking about with like it take there's like a certain threshold it's like at what point why is that only a threshold for you know like appearing light or sound or you know if everything behaves in waves why could that not be the same for you know these multi multiverses these different levels oh, right I, I think it is like it 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 does operate the same way, but... Well, right, but what I'm saying is, like, how much of that, like, we were saying, kind of, like, free choice, or oh, yeah. just, like, a change, not even necessarily, it doesn't even have to be a conscious thought, it could just be, like, a shift. Well, something and, happens, and what, something. in this other version of the probability, is more alluring. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting definition of our universe is these uh, tangible particles, and our universe is basically just tangible particles that we can experience, while the other universes are the intangible particles that we may get glimpses of. Oh, okay. That, okay, um, that makes sense. That we can only we only know exists because of the interference patterns. Like there's, we can't detect them. Like we can't do experiments with them. We just know that the light is behaving a certain way. So it's highly suggestive that there's other photons interfering with it. Um, so. Um, this actually is interesting because it, it, there's shadow particles that exist for every type of particle known to man. So it's not just photons. Like, 
any electron or neutron also is accompanied by a plethora of shadow electrons and shadow neutrons, which can only be detected indirectly by these interference patterns. So as I was saying, therefore, a collection of tangible particles is basically the definition of a universe. And these experiments suggest that there's a huge number of parallel universes all following the same laws of physics. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much all I It's pretty high-level shit. Did yeah. you get that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, hello. I'm on oh. that side of the table, and Savannah got there, too. So when? we're all at the when end. I was gone? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Did you miss Did you miss her? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Savannah got there. So, um, yeah. It so, might have oh. been a little later, but I was yeah. made it close to the end. Yeah, I firmly believe that Savannah is actually the smartest out of all. Hundred percent. We're all good. Kevin's at actually so. the eh. smartest. Oh my gosh! Hi, Kevin. Chaparrales. <laughs> Dyslexia. I'd like to mention that um, we do not know all of the laws of physics, and it's impossible that we would ever know all of the laws of physics. So, yeah. Um, we'll never, you know, know everything. But I would like to say thank you for allowing me to contribute and having me in the. The infamous in your closet. closet. In your closet. <laughs> in your closet. Yeah, full of my wife's clothes. Hey, there's section. a little and bit of your bank. And the paintbrush shirt. Yeah, no. Come on. Oh, okay. Don't forget that. About that. I guess I shouldn't have brought this up in you know, a room full of her supporters. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. At least we're not talking about Savannah's shoes again. No, yeah, or polish. They, they love to make fun of my shoes, my shoe rack. There's so many of them. There, I, yeah, she wears one pair. I do. And That's it's true. these same tennis shoes. <laughs> I haven't worn those in like a year. <laughs> no, She's had she, these she since high school. I did. Those are great. Those are great shoes. Yeah, they still look good. And yes, okay. Yeah, they they're not great. the exact same pair since high school. What I've had like three different pairs. They're the pair. same model. What size yeah. shoe is that? Two. I think it's. <laughs> Let me see. I think it's a six. She and my like eight-year-old stepdaughter okay. wear the well, okay. same shoe size. Somebody's <laughs> real sassy tonight. Yeah, how do you yeah. even stand? <laughs> Why do you call Birdie as my favorite Birdie? No. She's so aggressive. Don't say that. Let's I'm do some sorry. like reviews of things. I'm a, be a food already today. apologizing and feeling shame. Oh, no. <laughs> That's my shadow. It's all realm. good. I think it's great. Um, so, up next, I've got a really super quick little pelvic cleanser for us. Not that we need one. Did you say great, pelvic Mikey. cleanser? Thanks. Yes. Do you not want a pelvic cleanser? You cleanse your pelvic. It was pelvic. Do it. Okay. So, well, we will be right back. So here's what's happening. Um, we're doing the pellet cleanser. I'm in charge of it. And what I did is gave everybody a piece of paper. And uh, what we're going to all do is write down two truths and one lie about ourselves in, okay. in random orders. And then we're going to go around. And like Jerrica, for example, will go first. And she's going to say them all three out loud. And then we have to guess which one is the lie for each okay. of us. You two are married. We've known each other since birth. <laughs> It has to be really obscure. Good luck. I know. Okay. So anyways, that's what it is, and we will be back in like a minute. Okay, bye. I feel like Kathy Kelton would be very proud. She, she taught me physics. I mean, you know. Well, okay, in a little school. proud. I, have you heard some of the shit you've been saying? <laughs> I was, you didn't let me finish. Okay. She would be proud. Of your knowledge? If I didn't knowledge? have this mouth on me. Okay, that's true. Very true. Um, anyways, hey, spooky bitches, we are back with the palate cleanser. We are playing Two Truths, One Lie, and Jerrica is going to go up first, play along with us if you feel like it, and Jerrica. Okay, I will read all three, and then you guys can guess. Okay. Um, I was once on both the east and west side of the world at the same time. 
I was once a missing person with an entire investigation. I was almost arrested at an airport for bomb suspicion. (gasps) Ooh, ooh, that's hard. My guess is that, um... Oh, that's hard. Uh, number three is false. Okay, number mm-hmm. number two is false. Once missing person with a whole investigation. I think one is true. You're doing no, you have to say the false one's one. a lie. Oh. Two are true. Pick out what which one's a lie. Do you need to rewrite yours? No, well, I mean two and three are lies. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, only no. one's a lie. I almost beat myself. Only one. Oh, it's two truths. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to rewrite yours? <laughs> Oh, okay. Welcome to that side of the table. Okay. Okay. Go what to was, the other side. What was two and three again? Can you tell okay. me? <laughs> I'll just read them all again. Um, I was once on both the east and west side of the world at the same time. I was once a missing person with an entire investigation. I was almost arrested at an airport for bomb suspicion. Yeah, two is, two is a lie. Two is false? Yeah. Okay. No. Three is false. Ah! Bitches, bitches, I was bitches, once bitches. on both the east and west side of the world at the Prime Meridian, which is in Greenwich, England, which just separates the world. I knew, I was like, I knew that travels one a lot, sure. so yeah. I was like, it has to be. I was once a missing person with an entire investigation. I was because my brother was babysitting, quote unquote babysitting, my, at this time, I was like seven or eight and he was like 16, so You're he was mine? like, bye. Yeah, that's yours, my brother. Not my men are empty. <laughs> Crested. Um... And he was supposed to be babysitting, and I went to um, my friend's house, and I was supposed to come back before the streetlights came on. I came, well, I was trying to come home, and he had locked the door, and he had fallen asleep with, like, music blasting. Such a brother So, thing. like, I was banging on the door. I couldn't get in. I was seven, so I was like, I'm going back to my friend's. But he didn't ask where I was going, so by the time my parents got home, my mom was like, where's your sister? And he was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and so no one knew where I was. My parents were, like, freaking out. They like, called the cops. My mom was, like, sobbing with, like, a whole thing, like, helicopters out. Look, I was, cause I was a oh little kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Helicopters around. I was literally, like, hanging out with my friends. And you were like, a cute-ass little kid. Like, you were super abductable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was also, like, very, like, chipper. So I was yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> very social, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. 100%. Oh. All the Let's time. Do my grandpa was a photographer, so I'd always just, like, disappear and, like, take a picture of me, Mom's like, no, you don't <laughs> 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 Um, and then, yeah, I was not almost arrested at the airport for bomb suspicion. One of my friends was because we were at, I was in band in high school and she had a metronome in her flute case and when she, they were throwing it on the conveyor belt or whatever, it started ticking. Oh, shit. And so the, the, the regular time is just like tick, tick, yeah. Yeah, tick. It's like the default. And so they were hearing that and it was like, everyone was afraid to like open it. It was this whole thing. And they were like, oh my God. So yeah, it was wild. Fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Savannah is the only one who got points on that one. Woo! Yeah. What do you have to say about that, birdie? All right, guys. Ready? Okay. Oh, yeah. One. I once kissed a member of a country singer band in front of my then boyfriend just to piss him off. (laughs) Number two. Hi. uh, Editing Savannah here. Um, My number two is uh, redacted. Because I feel like it's a little bit TMI, so I'm taking it out. Okay, thanks. Bye. Why Number three. The most shots I've ever taken in a night was six shots. Jerica? I feel like that's a lie. The six shots one? Yeah. Okay. Number one. Okay. Number one. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jerica one. Ooh. God damn it. I'm not doing good, y'all. Dang, I actually didn't hear what number one. 
was, I was still writing. Yeah. <laughs> because you did two lies and one truth. But I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, surely she's taken six shots before. It literally <laughs> says so, on the page. page. I didn't realize that until we got to the end. And he two was truths, like, one lie. <laughs> I just switched it around in my head. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I, no, no um, yeah. Birdie. Okay. Two truths, one lie. We pick out the lie. Just the reminders. It's letting for me. For me. No. It's for Michael. Okay. Um, I one time tricked my community college into believing I was a Lithuanian exchange student without an accent for free food. Yeah. Number one. Um, I once accidentally threatened Billy Bob Thornton on the set of Friday Night Lights. Uh, I have. Sorry, I have interacted with Farrah Abraham's mini horse Starburst on several occasions. Uh, number two. I know you so well, so like, fuck. Okay, um, number two is false. Number one is false. Number two is actually Tim McGraw that I accidentally threatened. Tim McGraw. Okay. I knew you were on the set of Friday Night Lights, so I'm like, mm. Um, That's awesome. good call. So, me and you got a one. I know about Farrah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard. Savannah was there on one of So, yeah. it's like, yeah. Hmm. All right. So, I guess I can't get a point at this point. <laughs> oh, well. I have zero points. Uh, <laughs> nice. Same here, so, unless I pull it out right now. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it hard on you. Oh, my God. That's what she so said. many innuendos are happening. Slit. <laughs> Ew. Double slit. Double slit. Copper slit. <laughs> He gets it. He knows that joke. This. I'm gonna interfere with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I once sang "Billie Jean" by Michael Jackson at a bar. Live. Bar. I once walked into a college party uninvited with a group and stole a case of beer from the refrigerator. <laughs> I once uh, jumped at a got jumped at a bar due to my friend breaking a girl's phone simply by walking next to her. <coughs> oh my God. I know this. Made it easy. Number one. Yeah. What was number one again? Billie Jean. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson at a bar. What was number two? I don't (laughs) remember. You said you knew. Better remember. It's your husband. I know. I walked into a college party uninvited with a group of people and stole stole a a case of beer. Okay. I did that with liquor a lot in high school. Oh, yeah. Some of them wouldn't let us in because they're like, no, you're going to steal stuff out of people's rooms. Yep. It was a pass down in our sorority. Like, hello, I gotta do it. <laughs> yep. Actually, no, maybe I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, one. It's false. I was, I did sing that, and I was at a bar with you. I know, okay, I couldn't, I didn't know. Okay, I remember you sang a song, but I couldn't remember if it was Billie Jean or not. How the fuck have you never sang karaoke with our group? This was a, a bar with, like, three people in it. Boo! Uh, there was literally, like, three <laughs> people in it. The warehouse is full point? of crackheads. Oh, How many years have we been friends, and you still won't sing bullshit. with us? I mean, I so wait, which, which, the, which one's the lie? It's the, where I walked into a college party and stole. But you, what did you steal then? It was someone that was with me that stole the beer. Oh, yeah, I got a zero on that. Me too. I got two points. Two points. Uh, All right. Yeah, look at that. Welcome to what side? This side. Um, so Michael and I are tied. 
We're not good at reading people. We're good at reading science. <laughs> okay, but Michael doesn't even know who Oprah is. <laughs> no, it was Matt Damon. Yeah, it was Matt Damon. No, it was not. It was it was Jeffrey Dahmer, guys. No, that one too. It was that one too. But it was also Matt Damon. Oh. He asked who Matt Damon was. That was the first one. We're like, you don't know who Matt Damon is. And he was like, oh. Yeah. I know who Matt Damon is and Oprah. <laughs> yeah. Now. After you did your research. You, talk, uh, you talked to us about quantum physics. She, she's the lady that puts the gifts under chairs. And, <laughs> That's you know, Ellen she, that what she does? She makes people famous by yep. mentioning their books or products. And That's true. That's true. She does does she have that. a talk show? Yes. She did. She's a whole network now, bitch. Oh, we, we she her. owns she's an island. She's a network. All she TV. does is grow vegetables now. She's nuts. Um, okay, so uh, that is our episode. If you are still here and listening, bless God your bless motherfucking you you heart. Because I don't Oprah know how. Stan podcast, bro. Um, we love you. Thanks. Thanks for. I I don't know. What am I? Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. short about this. Please do. Send me the, yeah, the like, TikTok. Yeah. Goblin like, Creek. Goblin Creek. They have like someone in a banjo. I can do home. that. I have an app now. Let's do it. <laughs> I have an app. So anyways, I was going to Old Goblin Creek. Oh yeah. For nostalgic purposes. It had been about 15 years since I was last. Of- <laughs> do you want to take it from the top? We okay. just make this a blooper. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Please, like, help me. We're good. Hey, buddy. Still going? Yeah. Uh, I feel like, have you watched New Girl? Yeah. I feel like Nick Miller right now. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Figured it out. Pulling it. All right, next. Sorry. (laughs) She'll cut this out. This is bloopers. No, No, you should keep it. (laughs) I don't, okay, um, uh, what up, mom? Is that good? Is that good? Oh, wow. That was great. I felt it like stalled my brain. I was like, "What was that? That came out of your mouth." Did I, did I ever tell you about the time I was playing heads up with Christina and her husband? <laughs> Would you like a chocolate? You know that game with yeah. that thing. And it was Christina guessing, and her husband went, and he goes. Mother, would you like some chocolates? And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And she's like, "I don't know what that is." And I was like, "Yeah, you do." Mother, I like some chocolates. And it sounded just like that. She's like, "Josh, what the." Fuck are you doing? It was Forrest Gump. Oh, <laughs> I can't oh can remember it's Forrest Gump and the, the chocolates. chocolates. Oh my, and Mama. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's my favorite. <sighs> anyway, sorry, we're recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna stay in. It's me. No. <laughs> me hungover. <laughs> me hungover. Me. Fucking. You quick. Me hungry. Me hungry. <laughs> it's ninety day fiance. Like, and also know, partly Charlie. <laughs>
like, you know when you're on drugs? I mean, uh, I don't take drugs, but <laughs> if I did. <laughs> drugs are bad. Don't, don't do them, kid. Like, there's kids watching our episode listening. Uh, anyways, we're recording. Cool. There's a hair on this can. Oh. Oh, I put that there purposely. Cool. <laughs> did he? Mm-hmm. Or did the glitch do it? Probably. That's long. It's probably mine. I just, there's hair everywhere. It's me. All right. shedding constantly. Oh, okay. I mean, that's your, is that, is that your king? Don't murder anybody. It is. No, no shit me here. Right. I know, right? <laughs> I'm drunk. You're good. No, you're fine. You're Actually, it, you know, you're, you're, she was, Elizabeth was just talking about a shrimp that has uh, <laughs> impeccable capabilities. Do you want me to reiterate that? And then, sure. Yes. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing the pause thing for you, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> 